really got to try on that left hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty head over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit to make this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome once again to the Scrum of the Earth podcast, the weekly show that brings you news, reviews, great interviews, and so much more all about the world of rugby. As always, I am your host. My name is David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows the game wherever I can find it all over the globe. If you'd like to get in touch, well, I would love to hear from you. I'm on all your socials. And if you're old school, you can always just drop me an email at the scrum of the earth at gmail.com. Well, as you have no doubt deduced by now, this is not your regular weekly episode, but is in fact yet another bonus episode today. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome back a man getting a hat trick on this podcast, a man a man who's more quotable than Caddyshack, the incredible, the inimitable, Dallin Stanford. Dallin, my friend, how is life in the California sunshine? Things are great, David. I want to say, firstly, appreciate your show and everything you do for the game. Uh, it's really important and vital, you know, to get those stories out there. And uh, yeah, very happy to be back in California, as I was saying to you earlier, particularly with the winter approaching in New England. I do miss the landscape there and the people, uh, but I will say the warmth is uh, is much enjoyed here in California. <laughs> you miss the people of New England. That's a phrase that's never been uttered in the United States. That was a, I feel like I should write this down. Well, no, great people. I mean, that's the thing through rugby, right? I mean, we don't, you know, it, it's hard to make new friends and meet new people. But the fact that we have such a large rugby community and the New England Free Jacks and everybody that's around that, that program, I just so honored and blessed to have been part of that for a few years. And it was very fitting and amazing to see them win the MLR um, against San Diego, which is the team very close to me. Uh, so that was really cool. Oh, it, it was an amazing match. I was lucky enough to be there. It was a fantastic thing in Chicago. Um, oh, okay. Well, Dallin, it, it's so great to have you back on the show. You're just always a thrilling person to talk to. You always bring something new, something unexpected. Your stories are, are never ending. Um, so when you finally realize that you should be writing a book, can I be your publishing agent? Yes. Okay. That's good. I like that. Yes, there are, there are a lot of stories. And you know what's kind of funny is when you're in the moment, sometimes you, you are provided with in, inside information, uh, whether it's an MLR or Rugby World Cup or something, and you can't really talk about it. But Later, you can when things have kind of you know have come about. Um, so yes, we should sit down. We'll have a couple of beverages, and uh, and we can we can get that written. What is it? Uh, I think your phrase is "sink a few jars." Is that it? Yes, yes, sink a few quiet jars because <laughs> you never know where that'll lead to. <laughs> well, so back in September, I mean, can you believe it was only three months ago? You were on the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast. It was obvious that Robbie and Will are both huge fans. How much fun was that for you? It sounded like you had a blast. That was so great. I mean, I love everything that Squidge puts out. And um, I do feel like there needs to be some sort of agreement with World Rugby, the content that they have, to, because he's such a brilliant channel. The way he's able to analyze a game, um, to chat to him and his brother was, was a real honor for me. You know, I, I know they were they were having a good laugh at some of the one-liners, but I love what they put out in their content. It was really cool to see. I was hoping to meet up with them in France. It didn't happen. So we have promised we will oh. sink those, those quiet jaws when we do finally connect in person. Well, they actually had me on the show a, a few months before that. It was an absolute hoot. There's just something about talking with uh, talking rugby with absolute fanatics that makes yes. it really special. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, they, they they love the game. They know it so well. Also, it was cool for me to take a little trip down memory lane to go back to 2007, the Rugby World Cup, 
We looked at that South Africa game against the USA where Todd Clever famously intercepted the ball and gave it all, all the way out. Herkus threw a beautiful pass to Takuna Gwenya on the winger who, who scored, you know, the, one of the greatest tries after Gareth Edwards it was. of all time. Yeah. Well, that feels like a million years ago, mostly because we've had an entire Rugby World Cup in between now and then. You, I mean, as a box supporter, you, you must still be buzzing about that final result. Winning the final three games by one point per match, it's, it's mind-boggling to even recollect. You know, what was your reaction to South Africa getting their fourth World Cup? Yeah, it was. Um, so, so I was in France for the pool stages, got a, got a chance to work that. That was a dream come true for me. And it's so funny because I've only ever got a chance to commentate two 15s Rugby World Cups and South Africa have happened to have won both of them. So the added <laughs> bonus is that after I'm done working, I'm now just a fan. And so my wife and I went to the bar where we met 20 years ago called no the way. Springbok Bar and Grill in Los Angeles. Yes, they were showing the game. So we go back there. The owners are, first of all, oh my God, you're back in LA. I was like, yeah, let's sing some jars. <laughs> we're watching the game together. It was just such a great reunion. And the final, we had... The place only holds 100 people. We had 400 people inside Ooh. that bar. We had uh, four Kiwis, of which those four fr were friends from the beach. We played beach rugby together. One of them did a haka for us next to us in, before the game kicked off. So we had a wow. personalized haka. We had people singing Shosha Laza, South Africa's national anthem. And it was the atmosphere was electric. Way better than that England game. Because the England game, honestly, I, we, we couldn't watch it because we thought South Africa was going to lose. Uh, that game, New Zealand, yes. I, honestly, anybody could have won that game. The fact that South it's Africa true. held on, yeah, it was, we went absolutely berserk. So it was it was one of those few moments where, particularly as a, you know, a, a, a person born in another country that is relocated, you really feel connected with your roots because everybody's there for a common cause and supporting a team. And, you know, I, I felt the same thing in 1995 as a young South African where people were in the streets dancing and celebrating by what this team had done. And the same thing happened here in LA. It was just tremendous. I mean, the scenes from the parade back in South South Africa, I mean, it seemed like it lasted a month and no wonder, but the people coming out, like, it's just, it, it, if, you, if you're not moved by what you see in those scenes, you're just not a human being, right? Yes, and that's the thing, the power of sport, you know, and, and Madiba Nelson Mandela spoke about that, you know, when he, when he was, you know, leading South Africa, you know, out of a terrible racial segregation period of, of its history. He was saying, you know, of course, sport speaks to youth in a language that, that they can understand. And that is true. And it is adults as well. So it, it really is amazing how you, uniting it can be and why, you know, us in the rugby community, we know how powerful the sport can be. We just want to make sure more people are exposed to it that don't know about it, particularly here in North America. You know, in USA and Canada, not everybody knows about the sport, but when they do and they kind of see it and understand a bit more of what the values it brings and, and all the other outside of the game itself which we think is exciting outside of all that it really connects people and um you know like i said my story coming to the u.s if it wasn't for rugby i wouldn't have met 30 friends straight away you know got a job you know met my wife at a, at a rugby bar you know and then there we are the rest is history i still can't believe there's a springbok bar in la that seems so weird to me <laughs> <laughs> could there possibly be could you even imagine a better ambassador for south african rugby and the sport in general than sia khaleesi now that he's over in france instantly he's the most popular person in the in the nation it seems like like uh his charisma it, it just it transcends all the things you were just talking about how, how good has he been for the sport have you ever seen a player like him I haven't. I haven't seen a player like him. And, and his story is truly remarkable from what he grew up with in South Africa, having almost nothing, 
to leading South Africa to two Rugby World Cups. He also, by the way, was likely not meant to play this last one. He was injured badly. That's right. Recovered, that's right. It was, yeah, yeah. The, the word was just, he wasn't going to be ready in time. That, that's right. Recovered in not only just recovered in time, because this is the other tricky part. You, you need a leader, obviously, at every pinnacle event. Sometimes your leader is not your starting player, which is not a great position to be in. Well, Sia picked up his game in the World Cups, which is truly amazing because his form going into the World Cup wasn't the best. He'd come back from a bad injury. And so that was to be expected. He needed a bit more time. He didn't have that. And he delivered. It was, it's truly remarkable. What a story. Uh, Sia Khaleesi is, you know, is the king of Africa. And as you said, he's so famous around the world because of his character. And he's got time for everybody, which, you know, you, you don't find that in a lot of other sports. And none of it seems fake. It doesn't seem like he's putting something on for the fans. It seems like this is the guy and we just we get to experience life with him. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, you're so right. So I could, of course, chat World Rugby with you all day, every day, frankly. But we do have an agenda this, this evening. We should probably get to it. You know, when, when you and I met, it was a random encounter at what Free Jacks fans like to call Fort Quincy. I had stopped by there just on a day off just to see if anything was happening. You spotted me and immediately marched over and stuck out your hand to introduce yourself. A moment I've never forgotten. Is there any chance we're going to see you involved with the MLR this season? Or have you kind of moved on to all these other projects you've got uh, on the stove right now? Yeah, so I, I will be involved with, with MLR. The, um, the tricky side of the broadcasting is that they have their studios in Austin, Texas and Indianapolis. So while I was I was living in, in near Boston, it was a lot easier to get to that Indianapolis location or do some mm. games, you know, a sideline as well at, at Fort Quincy, beautiful venue, beautiful people. Um, and so more recently, I've done some sideline games in San Diego and a, a handful of games in the studio, not, not too many weekends. So I'm trying to travel a bit less, if possible, you know, in the broadcasting will be be home, um, you know, with, with family more. So I will do a few weekends in Austin and then likely for, with Los Angeles, I will do, look, I don't know what their broadcast situation will be. If they do broadcast their games on site, that'll be, that'll be the best case scenario. So I can actually call the games there. Otherwise I'll just work sideline in LA, uh, depending on the schedule, because that's the tricky part. There is Super Rugby Americas, there's Seventh World Series, there's Premier Rugby right. Sevens, there's other, there's other World Rugby events. So MLR, because of what's going on currently as well, don't have their schedule finalized. So the other entities have, you know, they book you ahead of time. And as a freelance, you know, independent um, contractor, I do take mm. the work as it comes. So generally MLR comes to me last and then I might, you know, I've only have a few weekends available. But yes, we'll be involved, but but not in a, in a massive capacity. Well, that's that's good news for all MLR fans. Uh, San Diego, they just re-signed uh... Or signed Greg Peterson, who I guess his contract up was up with Glasgow. He wasn't there playing in Europe this weekend. <sighs> they're tooling up, man. They're they're, they're trying to. <laughs> hey, that's they're a great. That's us. a great. It's a great rivalry. New England, you know, uh, San San Diego without New York, you know, anymore. There, of course, was that East Coast West Coast rivalry. So I, I love that it's the Free Jacks um, and it's San Diego. Um, and then also, as we said, who knows, you know, how strong any any expansion team or team playing, you know, as in a new season that is always going to be tricky obviously los angeles a few years ago were very strong but again we know why they were strong they they had a, a few extra bucks to go around for their players put it that way. <laughs> well at the uh the the annual free jacks winter party people were asking mags about it there um san diego are the only mlr team that hasn't come to fort quincy to play the free jacks and a lot of people are saying is that going to happen obviously we'll get to it too um there's obviously a lot of stuff in the air about the schedule um, and that, that kind of tees up our, our first question. You know, what is your take on the current state of Major League Rugby? There's obviously, we've already alluded to it, been some bad news over the last couple of weeks. 
Are you worried that's a sign of, you know, the overall health of the competition? Several people have pointed out Major League Soccer went through similar throws in its early years, and they're, by by my account, seem to be doing pretty well now. Owners have been bending over backwards to reassure fans that the league is in for the long haul. Um, do you have any insights about the current situation? Yeah, I think global globally, rugby has struggled the last few years since the pandemic, for sure. And there were issues before the pandemic, but they only got revealed afterwards. You know, it's even the state of, you know, the, the governing body, USA Rugby, has gone through its its tough times as well. I think it is worrying, of course, when you have, you know, iconic teams like New York um, and Toronto both fold ahead of season seven. I, I, I mean, I feel for all the families affected, the players, the staff, you know, everyone involved with those franchises. Because, again, those those are two important cities for, for different reasons. One, of course, is the Big Apple. There's such an iconic destination and a huge sports market here in the USA and, and Canada. Canada needs to be involved in a professional league. They don't play in Super Rugby Americas. They obviously had the one team play here. So you worry about the growth of their game too because um, if, if rugby is struggling in Canada, it's not good for USA. You need your neighbors right. to be strong and powerful. If you look at New Zealand and Australia, those teams are always very competitive. And even though Australia might not be the best every year, they compete really well at World Cups also because of New Zealand and the level of play they have there. So that is, that is tricky. What I will say, the positive news is that Los Angeles likely will play next year, which is great because initially there were a lot, lot of concerns. Will LA be another team that drops out? Um, and so, you know, they have not confirmed yet, but when they when they do, I'm pretty confident that they will be in, which is great. So look, it's down to 11 teams. The, the league isn't folding, which, which is great to see all the teams come out with their own press releases. So yes, these are tough, difficult times for sure. I think the league will navigate this and get through season seven, and then we'll look to get stronger as as the seasons progress towards the Rugby World Cup as well, which is obviously still a while down the line when the US host in 2031 right. and 2033. But but I think, like you said, other leagues in the early years have gone through things like this. So it's not unusual. It just, of course, didn't it just seem to go well when one team folded and the following week another team folded. It's the same when Gilchrist two teams were pulled out of the league just before the playoffs as well. So and these things are very unfortunate, but I, I think they're still... Good times to be had for the teams that are in it. And obviously, hopefully, all the players involved in the other teams will be dispersed across to two sides so that they can keep playing as well, because that's important. Well, you kind of just lobbed this one over the plate for me, and you might not even be able to answer this, but at least you're in the vicinity. Do you have any news about what's happening with the uh, the Los Angeles um it's even hard to say. Is it an expansion team? Because it's kind of Atlanta, kind of moving. But there was, anyway. Um, they're on the MLR schedule. As far as I know, there's no team name. There's no venue announced. We're kind of, as fans, we kind of feel in the dark. Do you have any kind of light you can shed on that? Yes, I, I will say the the January 2024 will be a big month for the Los Angeles franchise. Okay. So we'll just have to wait and see. There, I, I can't speak, um, you know, for them or on their behalf. Um, you know, I'm also looking to work with them as well, you know, once once they, you know, the, the news does break. But I will say it's it's pos more positive than it was initially looking in. When yeah. I heard the news of to Toronto and New York, I also had questions myself going, wow, will there be a team in LA? There was talk mm. and then no one heard or saw anything. I know they're working tremendously hard behind the scenes. There's many issues that we won't know about, won't be able to speak about. But in that book that we write together down the line, we can revisit this conversation uh, then as well. But but all I'm going to say is um, there, there, there should be good news in January. We'll just have to wait and see. Dallin, you're you're a guy who has this endless 
litany of fascinating stories. I've learned that when I talk to you, if I if I scratch the surface on something, there's almost always a lot more underneath. So I, I tried to find at least one thing I hadn't asked you about before. Um, I discovered you'd you'd worked with the the Friends of the British Council, working with Premiership Rugby on their corporate social responsibility program in the U.S. That I think that if I'm right, that was from 2017 to 2020, and that one of their initiatives, yeah. together with USA Rugby, was sending a hundred coaches to England for an international coaching experience, sort of in conjunction with the Premiership. Whatever happened with that program? Where are those hundred coaches now? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. A wonderful program. We, I, I sat down on behalf of French of the British Council that had a, a, a program that was closely affiliated with their British brands, of course, being the, the British Council. And so Premiership made sense that that was kind of the rugby connection we had there. So we were trying to work out what is the most cost-effective way to positively impact rugby in the United States and in North America. And hmm. we found out that, you know, in doing a bit of research and, and in some of our personal experiences too, if you can upskill a rugby coach, they're going to have a massive impact as opposed to upskilling one rugby player. And mm. so a coach, of course, as you know, will work with you know 30 players in a season and likely would stay in rugby for many, many years. Uh, the coaches we, we recruited, we asked them to send a video. Why were they interested? A little bit about their background. So these weren't just people just picking up the, uh, you know, a, 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 the, a, the coaching role for the very first time. These were people invested in the game and we're going to stay in the game. We had um, we tried to select uh, a lot of women coaches because the women's game, of course, is equally important as the men's game. Even though Premiership Rugby is just a men's competition, we thought it was very important to at least have fifty percent women coaches come on these trips as well. Um, and wow. the results we 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 got were amazing. The feedback outstanding. The 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 program really took these coaches to Premiership for a full week's immersive activities. They got to visit three different clubs to talk to the head coaches, to talk people in the strength and conditioning, to talk to the nutritionists, to talk to every single different level that it requires to coach a professional team. And then after that, they still got online uh, help as well from these coaches and stay connected with the rugby clubs. Those coaches went back into their communities across, I want to say, 40 different states in the US wow. and are there and are still coaching today. The program is something I'm very passionate about and would love to continue. The funding, unfortunately, due to the pandemic and everything yep. since has not made it available. So that's why the program was kind of just shelved for now. But we did take 100 coaches. I got to go on two of the trips to the UK. I got to see it firsthand. Um, it, it was truly amazing. And so I still, to this day, when I go to rugby events, I see some of the coaches around who are still coaching wow. and heavily involved in the game. And like I remember when I was coaching, you know, the couple of things that I, I remember I needed was I only had, you know, 20 drills, right? Okay, well, now you want to showcase a different skill set or do something different. Where do you get that information if you don't go and find find it somewhere? So all those kind of things, the coaches could bounce ideas off themselves. They could help solve issues that they, they found. They said they were coaching in New England that they had. They didn't realize another coach in Iowa had the same issues they were going through. So there was a lot of uh, uh, brainstorming and problem solving as well between the coaches themselves, which was great. Well, I'm a fan of a team that benefits from that incredible coach that has leveled up everyone under him. Like Scott Matthew has been so great for us here in New England. It was actually funny. The first time I got to talk to Scotty on the show, he told me about when he, back when he was working with uh, the Griquas and Rassi was involved. And Rassi, remember, in, so in this World Cup, Rassi started to get some stick for the, the traffic lights. Everyone was like, oh, yes. he's using, it's cheating. He's using this traffic. He's been doing that since... 
you know, curry cup days. He's been doing it for a long time. Scotty told me about it like three years ago, and somehow he and I were the only ones who knew about that. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, we were commentating. I did three of South Africa's games, the pool stages, and the lights came out. And um, look, he is such a creative thinker, I, you know, that it, it's amazing the the stuff he comes comes up with. And so you're right, Scott had some good intel and insight into the way the way he is and and what he gets up to. So the first time you and I ever had a chat, you asked me if I followed the sevens and I was very quick to brush it off. I was, I was so in love with the 15s that I just didn't seriously entertain the notion of any alternatives since then between you and Jan Rakowski, another USC Eagle, I was convinced to give it a try. No pun intended. And I've honestly become a huge fan. I actually got to talk to uh, Sammy Sullivan for the USA not too long ago, a player I'm sure you're keenly aware of. How good has she been for our Eagles right now? Yeah, Sammy Sullivan is amazing. She's electric with ball in hand, strong defender as well. Uh, She's a good example of a player that can come into the sevens fold and make a massive difference. She's talked about as one of the top players in the world, which is amazing. And Sammy had a shot at being rookie of the year in the HSBC last year, but exactly. Sammy's one of those players that is really going to help the US, you know, get along and medal at different tournaments. And of course, with Olympics coming up as well, she's going to be key. So the newly kind of semi-rebranded Sevens Tournament, a comp you played in from 2007 to 2009, uh, uh, it kicked off again this year. So when you're watching these games, are you still kind of itching to lace up the old boots? No, I mean, that's, yeah, I, that's always great. I mean, I still play on the beach, which is awesome. So I still get to throw the ball around there. But I, I almost like commentate the game in my head a little bit or just watch it for for. Uh, pure joy now the one thing that's hard about the sevens world series is the time zones particularly with north america so sure. even like when the cape town sevens is on the go you know we're sleeping most of the time so it is hard to catch up uh and then then my wife's like well hold on you're not working right this weekend why are you watching 10 hours of rugby you see so you've got to balance it out so i don't actually get all the games but i can go back and watch a few here and there that, that are on um but i do want to remind the the audience watching because it is or listening is very different this year and for the first time they've made a massive hmm. change so there are seven combined events featuring 12 women's teams and 12 men's teams. So the men's teams are cut down from 16, which I don't personally agree with, but I understand they're trying to keep in the model of the Olympic model, which is 12 men's teams and 12 women's teams. After those seven events, so that's across Dubai, Cape Town, Perth, Vancouver, Los Angeles, Hong Kong, and Singapore, they have a tournament that decides the series, not based oh. on points. From, yes, not based on points from the previous seven events. The oh. seven events, the seven events are just to rank the teams ahead of the eighth final tournament, which is a grand final, which the winner of that wins the series. So David is completely different from when oh I Oh my played. gosh, it's I had no idea about this. From when I commentated, exactly. That's right. So I don't think the word has got out yet because it is so new and you know, because of the new format. So in essence, what'll happen is the top ranked eight sides after Singapore, which is the seventh event, will play for the women's champion and the men's champion. The teams ranked nine through 12, so the bottom four for each, the women and the men, will compete in a stand, it's same event, but at a standalone tournament, and they will play together with the four top sides from the Challenger Series. So it's an oh. 18 tournament, yeah, an 18 tournament, of which the top four finishing that weekend will be a core side on the series for 2025. So wow. there's so much at stake because... If you finish 9, 10, 11, or 12 in the series, you know, up at that Singapore event, you're in jeopardy of not being yeah, on the series the following year. And it doesn't matter wow. which country you are. You're fighting for your life. I had no idea. Yes. That, 
Wow, that's a very cool idea. I like that format. So where's the uh, where's the grand final held? Is that the grand final is held in Madrid? So that is in oh. that's a new a new stop. We've we've been to Spain before during the the pandemic uh, time period, but Madrid is is brand new uh, on the on the stop, and the final is happening then, which is which is hectic. So, but but North American fans, I do want people to know that, of course, you know the events are coming to Vancouver. Uh, that's going to be February 23 to 25, the BC Place, epic st stadium for, for sevens. And those are combined events as well. And then Los Angeles, March 2 and 3 at Dignity, Dignity Health Sports Park. So the U.S. has its own one, of course, here in California. So those are must-attended uh, uh, events that fans can get to it. Wow. I got to say, I, I really like that. I, I understand what you mean about going from 16 to 12. It, it yeah. seems like a big difference, but adding this new format, I, I do like that. That sounds very cool. Obviously, this year, we've already raced through two rounds of action yeah. uh, two weeks ago in Dubai and last week in Cape Town. Any takeaways or insights that sort of jump out for you? Yeah, so just a couple things I want to touch on. Dubai is the best fan festival I've ever seen and ever been to. There's wow. something for for everyone. Because it's in the middle of the desert, they have so much space on offer. Emirates is their big partner, and so they, they spend a lot of money making sure that it is a unique, amazing experience. So while the rugby is going on, there's an amateur tournament on the outside fields as well. There's netball going on. There's cricket on the go. There is uh, a bunch of other sports happening at the same time. There's, of course, great beer gardens. There is a huge section for kids. They've got swimming pools, swings, all sorts of great things. And then there's a corporate area as well, you know, for, for the business folks that are the VIP members, if you will. So they've got something for every, everything. So Dubai is truly amazing. Again, this year, they had a flyover. So they had a Emirates Boeing fly over the stadium, which is tremendous. Yep. And then the Cape Town, my other just these are all field comments are it's probably the I'm biased because I'm from Cape Town. It nothing <laughs> beats South Africa in the summer, particularly on the coast with the stunning beaches, Table Mountain, the wildlife, the nightlife. It, if you're coming from overseas, it's very affordable as well. So as destinations go, if people are looking to attend events around the world on bucket list items, I would put Cape Town and Dubai on that list if people are thinking about attending. Um, if I remember but, right, there was a picture yeah. of you on Tabletop Mountain from just last year. Yes, from yes that that's right. Yes. So, so great, you know, so um, it, it is truly amazing. But as far as the competition goes, so keenly, keenly watching, of course, to see how these teams go in the Olympic year, because these seven tournaments, like we said, are just for ranking purposes. Technically, it's actually quite good because teams can bring in players that otherwise might not have played seven. So 15s players, stars from World Cups can come and join the sevens team and oh. get practice and get experience because the series is not on the line, if you will. Um, and so I think the format actually works really well in the Olympic year. I might so not I actually got... be a fan of it outside of the Olympics, though, because, if, hey, if I win, let's put it this way, David, if I win our team, win seven tournaments of the eight, but then we go to Madrid and lose... And someone else is the serious champion. I don't. I don't feel like that's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. So is yeah. this the what you just said about sort of introducing 15 players? Is this how Antoine Dupont is going to sort of get get stuck into this competition and the lead up to the Olympics? Yes. Players like him, uh, Damien Willemser from South Africa. He spoke recently on a oh. podcast saying he would he would he would be interested. Now again, I don't wow. know if these players are actually going to do it. They have an opportunity to do it. We've had you know some big 15s names in the past try out. Some didn't make it, some did. Like Sonny Bill Williams went to the Olympics with New Zealand. Uh, Brian Banner tried out, you know, wasn't quite enough time for him to get ready for it. So you also have to take into account the chemistry of the team as well. I know there are some people online who are saying, well, if, if DuPont comes and takes someone's place, well, that's not great for the game. My opinion is mm. if he's the best player, he needs to play. 
So you need yeah. your best 12 going to the Olympics because you want a medal. That's the end goal, right? Uh, and so it is pretty fascinating to see who does come across. But if we quickly track, as you said, the last two tournaments, Australia and the women have truly been amazing. Two golds for them. They have so many standout players, Maddie Levi, Tegan Levi, Charlotte Kaslick. You can name the whole team. They are so creative with ball in hand. Their defense has been outstanding. That game in the final recently, they just beat France 29-26 as well. France certainly brought it, which I love. So France and New Zealand. That was, that was an all-timer. What a, all what a back and indeed. forth. A back and forth affair. So, you know, so those are the top three sides. You know, New Zealand have won a silver and a bronze. France have won a silver and a bronze. USA is, is sixth overall. And I feel like it is so tricky because you've got these three great sides. If you do meet somebody in a semifinal, you know, or a quarterfinal, one of these three sides, it's tough going. You need to be on the top of your game and catch a team on the downward curve who makes a few mistakes. And that's how you get through to a final. So that, that's why it's tough going, you know, for the USA women's sides to get through there. Well, you already mentioned it. So December, by the way, the Australian women's sevens team got to be in my top three list of teams just favorite worldwide in any code of rugby at yes. all they're just yeah. they're so compelling on december 3rd they beat the black ferns in that dubai final maddie levi of course she nabbed a dozen tries in that leg of this tournament unbelievable but but her sister yeah. might have actually been the standout in that final are they the most dangerous sibling pairing in rugby right now you know what's interesting you bring up a great point tegan levi didn't play a lot last season and so we did a few interviews with them, of course, you know, pair of Levi's, it's always a good joke to throw about, uh, you know, they've got good genes, they've got good genes, you know, throw that in there as well. So, so, but yes, Tegan Levi has, you know, taken the restarts phenomenal with creating space and scoring tries herself. And then her sister, of course, just flying down the wing. So it's, it's true. What a lethal pairing. Uh, I mean, what a proud family. Imagine having, you know, two of your daughters playing in the World Series, two of the best players in the world at the same time. Uh, that's that's truly amazing. There was something great about seeing Tegan just like come into her own. And she, she felt like she was in the shadow of Maddie last year. And this year she's like, no, 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 we're a pair. And I don't know. There was something really gratifying just as, as a viewer, I guess. Yeah, so no, the, the next leg of the series... You already yeah. told us that the next leg is going to be in Perth. That's not till the end of January, though. Anything, you know, that we should all be looking forward to there? Are the Aussie women just going to run the, the run the table this year? Well, you know, I, I do. I do think New Zealand is is their biggest rival, and that you know, between the two of them, those are generally the winners in in, in the women's side of things. So I do think New Zealand will come back. They have a bunch of great players as well. We've seen a few of them playing in Premier Rugby Sevens, like Stacey Walker um, and a, a few others. So I think New Zealand will 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 be their main competition. France, as you said, you know, like we just saw this great final. They yeah. decide that you're never sure how they're going to turn up. So you mm. can never count them out. And I do think USA will come strong as well as the season gets on and these players do get more experience at that level. But on the men's side, I didn't touch on the men's side of things. So the interesting thing there is, like we've always seen, we've seen quite a handful of sides being very competitive. So where three of the women's sides have medaled in the first two tournaments, we've had we've had five men's teams medal. Yeah. So South Africa which were champions in Dubai in the desert. Uh, where they do really well there. Which Argentina, they always do. Always do really well. Argentina, which is my, like, also one of my favorite teams of all time, not only because a good friend of mine, Santi Gomez Cora is coaching them, but just because the players have such a great ethos with each other. They, you can see when they celebrate afterwards, they're singing and dancing. It like, it's so infectious. You just yeah. love to see that, you know, they're not rigid. They express themselves. They try things. And that's what you want to do. And you want sevens to be like the fact that they absolutely demolished Australia in the final, about 40 points in Cape town. <laughs> they were swimming in the pool, partying afterwards. Um, they are just such a fun team to watch. So I did not see that coming. 
it, it, it's pretty it's pretty open because you've got Argentina, South Africa, Fiji are still up there, New Zealand, Ireland, by the way, who beat New Zealand for the first time, were brilliant in Cape Town. Australia, fantastic as well. Uh, USA, unfortunately, this is where USA has dropped off a little bit, around about 10th place, I think, at the moment on the series. Sure. Mike Friday just, just did a post to say, look, it wasn't our best showing, but we have new players that have come into the system that have got valuable experience, and I know that team will come back. And that's the great nature about sevens. One good tournament, and you're in, in, the, in the knockouts, you know? Well, my friend, you, you switching gears a little bit, you, you've you had a really full docket in terms of just doing comms this year, including some memorable work in the World Cup. Can you give us your Dallas Stanford 2023 highlights in the commentary world? Yes. So I, it's great to look back because it's, it's like you, you're so busy and you don't get a chance to actually appreciate what has happened before yeah, yeah. and the wonderful opportunities you get. So I do love the end of the year where you get to reflect a little bit on what's what's come in the past year. So Rugby World Cup France was one of my bucket list items. An un- unbelievable time. Over a month there, got to go to um, Paris, to Nice, to Marseille and Nantes. Got to bring my wife along, Verity, for a week in Nice on the beach. Unbelievable time there. Got a chance to call 11 pool games, of which three, you know, is my country of birth, South Africa. Got to do a France game, which is always epic with that crowd. The food, mm. the drinks, the people. Got to work with Tom Mitchell, you know, Great Britain, former Sevens captain. Uh, Nat Unides from Australia as well. We, 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 did, we had so much fun. So that was epic. Sevens World Series. I've got a chance to do my 50th event. That's between playing, media, and commentating. So it was wow. in Hong Kong, Singapore, Singapore, Vancouver, and LA. So it, really great year. And then also other great things here in North America, Super Rugby Americas. That was really cool to do to do that for the first season, to see the American Raptors, you know, get better as the season progressed, call the yeah. game to Rugby Town USA. I really, really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the Premier Rugby Sevens. So many more tournaments, five events. Um, we also got to do a podcast, the Rugby Sevens Roller Coaster, with my Canadian uh, sensation, Robin McDowell. So that was really fun as well. And then we mentioned the MLR. Going to Snapdragon Stadium was really cool to see that venue, call some of those Legion games, pitch side, and then finishing the year in style, the Rugby Tens Championship. That was so cool. So love 15s, love sevens, but tens, I don't have that much experience in. So this is my first proper international tennis film. I got a chance to commentate, be there. Oh, they put on such a good job. Yeah, it was so nice. Oh, wow. So uh, the, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, but what was your best catchphrase this year? Um, and <laughs> did you have anything that you had in the bag that you were sort of hoping to use, but it, you never just got the chance? I've learned a little more about how, you know, if, if you're a commentator, you kind of come armed with some stuff and you're like, well, I hope I can use this. But you also want to make sure it's at the right time so that if you do use it, it gets into a highlight so that, you know, it gets repeated and people hear it and you, you can't waste it on something nobody's ever going to see again. Do you have any uh, highlights from this year and your catchphrases? So I, that one I haven't thought about. I haven't thought about going back in the past with the with the, the one-liners, but I will say you're right. There were a few lines I kept back that were, the time mm. wasn't right. And I also will admit here to the people that employ me at World Rugby don't necessarily want me to throw in too many one-liners so i've gone back and forth about okay is there a different place i can use them and so like if it's you know that sort of thing so that's something i grapple with as a commentator because you want to be yourself authentic and express yourself but at the same time you also are being hired by an entity or an organization to do a job that they want to do so i know that world rugby says it wants to get to a younger audience but then i'm also told sometimes you know not to not to (laughs) use the one-liners but david the irony is the one or two liners I've used, it's on social media. I'm like, but they could have used anything else, but they chose that. So anyway, um, <laughs> I did I, I did enjoy during the France game. France played um, Namibia and won 96-0. Uh, I, 
I, I've used the line before, but it was in a minus sevens event. So I didn't think it was that. I don't like to reuse lines, but I thought the occasion was right because now you've got a proper audience watching. So France scored a magical try, you know, from inside their 22. And I said, uh, and that's, uh, I can I can call that champagne rugby because it's from France. So I got a chance to use use that on, on one of their tries. Um, <laughs> there, were, there were a few other ones like load shedding about South Africa because South Africa has power outages, you know, every day for like yeah, four yeah. to six hours. So I, I, I said, Cheson Colby is, uh, uh, forget load shedding, he's electric 24-7. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Do you have any ones that are sitting in your folder that have been there for years that you're like, damn it, that thing is still there, sitting there? There is one. I'm not going to say it because I want to keep it. Yeah, I was going to say, don't occasion. give it away. Yes, exactly. It's going to come right. up no. in the next so, six months. If yeah, you know. yeah. There, there are a few working in progress. There's also some events that you do like a Rugby Town 7s, which they want you to be fun. They want you to, you know, throw yeah. them out there. So you're, you're like, you need to come up with like 40 one-liners. Now that's a lot of one-liners. So that's why some of them are, you know, just random or average. Um, but then you, you don't want to use all your best ones at the same time. So you've got to be, you've got to be careful about it. That was a fun competition. I really enjoyed watching that last year. The the it it's a very free atmosphere. The fans yes. really reflect the what the fun you're seeing on the field. It's fantastic. Exactly. So, my friend, the, the real reason you're here today is to introduce a brand new rugby competition. You and Perry Baker, we've already mentioned the man they call the Speed Stick. You're involved in a very exciting venture called Flag Rugby X in the United States. I, I mean, I guess, can you tell us how you first got involved with this project? How did you lock Perry into this? Uh, tell us all about it. Yes. So three years ago, during during the pandemic period, a mutual rugby friend connected me with this group out of Australia. And they, and he said, listen, this game is fantastic. You're going to love the game itself. The, and these are great people. So I was like, okay. you know. So I need to do my homework first. Got on a bunch of Zoom calls. Um, and then finally got a chance to meet the group for the first time this year in California. So they came out and we got a chance to interact face-to-face, -face, great people. And the game itself is so exciting. And it's the most similar game to rugby sevens that's in the non-contact form that there is. So the game sells itself. The opportunity, I think, in the US, which is always been there, is every single rugby club, and we even know in the MLR, but let's talk about just amateur rugby clubs, struggle with funding and financing and resources. Every year I will get multiple messages from my team that I played for, Balmont Shore here in Long Beach, California. And they'll say, Darling, can you donate to our national championship run? We've got to cover flights. We've got to cover all these things. So while that's all good and well, as an alumni, you don't necessarily, I mean, giving money for the sake of it is not as great as them saying, hey, come along, play in a rugby, in a league, a non-contact league, okay. pay us money to play, and we'll use that money for our fundraising. I'm like, I'll happy to, happily do that because I can invite my friends. Oh. We'll go sink beers afterwards. We'll play an organized, structured game that they will put on and they'll referee and host. I just have to show, arrive whenever it's on. So that concept appealed to me because it connects with the alumni. It's also non-contact. So let's be fair. You can bring new people into the game. You can, you can have a co-ed team. It's like there's so many options. You can have, a, a, you know, young kids can play this game. Old folks can play the game. If you're able to run and pass, you're in so I think the barrier to entry is a lot less when it's a non-contact form of the game. So there's so many benefits from this. So that's how we met the group. I love the game. And now I'm, I've obviously really worked with the people for the last few years. They are fantastic. So, and how do I get Perry involved? Well, Perry is close to retiring. And so he's going to play in the Olympic Games. He obviously has a series ahead, but he's very clever. He realized, okay, before I get there, let me get involved in something else. He's done some camps before, oh. his skills and that sort of stuff. But this game, he really loves as well. And once I, I spoke to him briefly about it, he was like, 
tell me more, I'm in. So there are now people like Perry that are, you know, legends of the game around the world that are obviously going to be retiring soon that are looking for other uh, entrepreneurial things they can do in the sport. And why not use their, their branding and their name to promote the game? Because it's going to only increase the number of players there is in each country. And so that's a great thing. This game can go anywhere in the world. There, the barrier to entry is minimal. So uh, I know a little bit about touch rugby, but from yeah. what I'm I'm hearing and reading, this is a bit different. Can you can you sort of explain, you know, what is the difference between, I guess, traditional touch rugby or other formats of flag rugby compared compared to flag rugby X? Yes. So we've all played various forms of, of touch rugby or non-contact rugby. In South Africa, we do a lot of one-touch rugby, which is, and we do it on the beach here in LA as well, which is basically you have the ball for one passage of play. Uh, and if you don't score and you get touched with the ball, it's the other team's chance. There's also like an option where you can you have six touches where you can, you know, it's not as creative, but it is good to keep the ball in hand, set up a few contact points uh, through touch and things like that. Flag Rugby X is, is completely different because it is, most similar to sevens rugby in that in the non-contact format you kick off so you can choose to drop kick you can put on the ground and drop a kick it you can as well if you want but the, we've seen a lot of players like to drop kick off like they would in a, in a real game you can contest for the ball which you cannot in non-contact forms so you can jump oh. up you can knock the, knock the ball back to your side once oh. you have it it's always seven attackers against six defenders so how that works is, let's say I we have seven, we have possession. I throw a forward pass. The referee says forward pass. I threw the pass. I leave the field. All right. Oh, yeah, and they get physically their seven, leave like all the way off. Physically the pitch. leave and you get all to the side. Now these are you can fit uh, you know four of these flag rugby fields on a regular field, so they're smaller, they're narrower, but they're still decent length, you know, to run and score. Um, and but the game is super fun because you're always on the move, so you're always thinking as well, which I'd like about that too. So outside of contesting the kickoff, you can kick the ball any time in the game, which you can't in any other form of touch rugby I've played. There's no kicking allowed, which let's be fair. People love kicking every now and again if there's space and if they can kick for a cross-field kick, which only improves your skill sets. So I sure. love that part of the game. And it can be unlimited bounces. You get the ball back or you give away possession and they pick it up and run. So those kind of things, I think, makes the game so fun and interesting. There's so many other added layers. There are different scoring zones. So like in the actual game of rugby, you're encouraged to score underneath the upright. Why? Because the kick is easier for the conversion. So in regular touch rugby, your score is the same. You score on the corner, it's the same as scoring on the, on the poles. Well, flag rugby X, you get more points for scoring in a zone. There's a box with cones oh, in the middle. And you get I saw less a graphic points for scoring on the website. On, yeah. I didn't quite and, get it. Okay, that, that makes right. a lot you of sense. You get less points for scoring on the side because it's a harder conversion. The other sure. nice thing is once you score a try, you as a try scorer run back to the halfway line. Now, again, don't forget the field's smaller and you grab a kick towards where you scored to the little box in which you scored. If you get the ball through the box, you get the conversion points. If you don't, then it's okay. You you know, so it encourages grubber kicking as well wow. for points. And everyone's watching. So it's like a, there's pressure that people are chirping you and that sort of stuff. So we've done a bunch of these games where it's so wow. fun to watch. And then you run back and you kick off again. So the game's nonstop with all these different elements at play as well. It almost sounds like a cool training exercise. <laughs> I love and, all these and, elements. And it is. We did it with the USA Sevens team, with Mike Friday's team. We went out to Chula Vista in San Diego. They had a whole draft thing because they wanted to make sure they picked the teams and everybody was into it. The skill level on display was fantastic. Got a chance to film a bit. Uh, Lucas Lacamp with a no-look kick over the top, bounce and he catches himself. Those kind of skills you want in the game of sevens, but you have to mimic a game that is non-contact, that can deliver those results. And it was really cool to see the, the players in action. 
so if I understand correctly, organizations and like rugby clubs in particular can host and run these tournaments. You know, in your mind, what are the benefits for rugby clubs that want to host a flag rugby X event? Yeah, I think what it was really important is they can host it whenever they want. So this is a great thing. So let's say you're in season and your club is really focused on, you know, Tuesday, Thursday trainings and your actual events. That's okay. You can have somebody else from your rugby club. It could be one of your coaches that can derive an income from putting this on on a Wednesday night. So it doesn't interfere with their, their current season. And it can be available, let's say, for only alumni and new players. So they don't tax the current players for playing. Oh. They obviously pay to play. And those proceeds, they can divide it up how they want to, whether it goes straight to the club or whether it goes to pay their coach. So they're drawing income from playing the game. And also, by the way, once an alumni goes back and feels more connected with the club, they're going to be around and come watch the games more and donate more, maybe buy apparel, buy merch, get new players coming involved as well. The main thing is it's safe and it's fun. And so that's the cool thing. So so I did this. I, I didn't do this version, but in South Africa, 20 years ago when I was living there, we played a Wednesday night league. We had two teams. We had a co-ed team and we had a, a guy's team. And it was so fun because you're just throwing around, having a great time. You're stepping people, you're scoring tries, you're winning some, you're losing some. And then afterwards, you're going for beers. It's a great activity to connect with your community, play a bit of rugby and, and, and just, you know, have a ball. Now, the great thing, of course, for this thing is that the club creates more sustainable, uh, sustainable future for themselves by hosting these events. They can host an event 10 times a year, 12 times a year. It's up to them. Or they can do it one time. It's totally up to the rugby club. And that's why we, we've got Perry along because we know with Perry's brand as well, teams will be like, okay, well, this is a really interesting game because not only increasing the skill set of the players if they want to play as well, they can use it as a training tool, but they can really use this as an income generator for the club. So players who are interested in sort of trying this out, the actual participants in this mm. game, you know, what, what can they expect when they get involved? Yeah, so this is the great thing. Uh, so we call it, by the way, we call it flag rugby here because in the U.S. there's flag football and people are familiar with the term. The the, mm. the group is called TAG, TAG X, because it's, that's how it's known in, in the rest of the world. So it's the same thing. TAG and flag is the same thing. Um, what players can expect, they can expect a very structured, organized league that they join. So they really just have to arrive and play. Referees are fully trained from our training group out of Australia, in-person training and remote training as well. But the players can expect, outside of the great fun, is to improve their skills if they're looking to play rugby a bit more seriously if they want to as well they're attacking their passing the defending shape their special awareness and fitness i think that's the best thing so for me as a non you know i play uh, touch rugby on the beach the great takeaway from that is i'm having fun i'm having a good time and i'm getting fit as a byproduct you know so i think those elements are so great rugby clubs can by the way they can use flags if they have them they can also do a touch version of this flag rugby x format as well they don't have to have the flags we encourage the flags because we know there's a lot of phantom touches out there where someone's saying, yeah. no, I touched you. And you're like, oh, no, did you really? But when you're holding a flag, <laughs> everybody knows that you made that. Yeah, touch. yeah. It's a <laughs> six-year-old laser tag. You hit me. Exactly. No, you didn't. Yeah, yeah. So if I'm not mistaken, there was already a, at least one iteration of this competition. I, I think it was in July. You you had the, uh, the Perry Baker Flag Rugby X charity series over there in California. I mean, you even had legendary eagle Todd Clever there a man I've seen referred to as rugby's Captain America. Um, was it difficult to find a venue that could hold as much talent as the three of you? 
Well, I tell you what, it was it was firstly great to see Todd Clever wearing a shirt, you know, because normally he's just gracing the beaches <laughs> and, you know, he's still in the shape of his life. He's, I mean, he just was in Dubai. He won a seventh tournament there with, you know, an interna the international side. So, no, Toddy was so great. The reason why we wanted to team up with Todd was, you know, number one, he's got a foundation that he's giving back to the game, uh, which is superb. So we want to support what he's doing there. And also Todd being, you know, Mr. Mr. Captain America, a uh, good friend of ours. And obviously we played with him back in the day. It's great to team up with people that, you know, you've got so much respect for and also know that they're going to get this game. So Toddy watched one game. And he's like, this is great. He goes, I'd love to help promote this and get this game out there as well to get more people playing. Because part of his remit is also is to grow youth rugby. And that's the great thing is you have mm. more people playing the game it'll trickle the more people involved in the sport, more people watch it. There'll be more funding into the game. And eventually down the line, our national teams will keep improving as well because you've got a larger playing base. So it was so great to see the game in action. It was my first time and Perry's first time to see the game. We had two events in Los Angeles and two events in San Diego. Each event okay. we invited four, four rugby teams to come play. I was amazed at how these teams picked up the game so quickly because there are different elements, right? When do you kick? you know, all that sort of stuff. A lot of, a lot of people hadn't played flag before, but it's so great how people picked it up so quickly and so easily. Also for us, it was great to meet our Australian training team and see how organized they are. Their referees were spot on with such, communicated so well. It reminded me of commentating where you commentate the game to help the, help the players, right? So you mm. commentate them out of things that they would have, you know, like don't pick that up. You're offside, so then they're back like, up. Like now, now you're over the, over the over the PA system in house. No, no, no. In the in the game, so the referees like coaching the players through it, right? Oh, uh, and so okay. they're commentating as they go because it's helpful. Like if you're a new player, you might be offsides or you might not, you know, you, you know, th that sort of thing. So they kind of help en encourage positive behaviors. But what I what I enjoyed seeing was people having a laugh, a lot of great skills on display. And, um, you know, we also then went to the Rhinos Rugby Academy. They're, they're the ones who put on the 10s rugby championship and we did something with the kids as well. Now, this is really cool. So the kids get to play and they're loving the game and, it, and all this sort of stuff. The end of the session you know, we like, should we do coaches versus the kids? Now the kids are like 10 to 12 years old and all the coaches are like, Oh, we can play. I'm like, of course it's non-contact. It's flag. Get your coaches together. I'll jump on as well. Cause I want to play it. While Sally Serevi was there, by the way, got a story for you about Serevi. So the kids are like, they, they put on a, a great team. They're super fit and super young. So we play against these kids. We get stepped obviously like park cars. Cause these kids are so fit. Uh, but we had Matala Yudas. We scored. We scored some nice tries. The coaches got to do a couple of great uh, dummies and some side steps. So the kids, they were like utmost respect for their coaches. They can still play. But my most embarrassing moment does come from the flag rugby X because Serevi makes a beautiful break as he's done many years in the series. I run a, an angle to support Serevi, and I'm in clear space. I'm like, okay, this is great. Serevi's going to give me the ball. I'm going to score this great try. What a combination! Except. The ball, the, well, I'm not going to say Sarevi's pass was bad because nothing he does is, is bad. So the pass <laughs> was fine. I mistimed the catch. It hits me in the head. And the, the ball goes forward, which is fine, by the way. Everybody yep. bursts out laughing. It's cracking up. Everyone stopped playing. But of course, me, to salvage my reputation, I did carry on and dive and score in the ball. Try it because it's not a knock on off the head. So that was my, that was my embarrassing moment from Black Rugby X. But what I want to get across is anybody can play and everybody can have a, a lot of fun together, which I thought those uh, sessions we had with the uh, the charity series were just outstanding. So people often seem to want to sort of tinker with the rules of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, the laws of rugby. Yes. Yes. Um, sometimes that desire can be misguided, I guess, but, um, but sometimes it allows for new 
sort of creative aspects, and you've already kind of talked about that a little bit. Mm. Um, what are some of the other sort of creative aspects that Flag Rugby X sort of offers that it makes it so unique? Yeah, we're so great. Like, so, so Perry and myself both got a chance to play as well. So it was cool for Perry to see it firsthand because, of course, he's, you know, he's an international superstar. He's the only player to be like two times seventh world player of the year. But he loved this too because he's like, hey, Dell, I can kick now. I was like, I know exactly. Like, you could practice away, like cross kick and do all sorts of good things. So the other unique elements of this, they're outside of the scoring boxes that we said, where you, you get different points for where you score. There are also X challenges. So what an X challenge is during a tournament, okay, so let's say you get there on Wednesday night at the rugby club, they say tonight's X challenge is this. And let's, I'll give an example. The X challenge, any point during a game, if you, if you, you know, score on the left-hand side, then you kick a middle conversion later by scoring a middle try in order, and then you score on the right-hand side. If you do that all in a row, you get extra points for this X challenge that you've completed okay. in the game. So a team that doesn't even look at the X challenge is not necessarily going to win the game because, you know, by the time you tally up all the points, they would have lost quite badly. So the manager of the team or coach is on the side is, is barking out orders when he wants the team to do this X challenge. It could be straight away in the game. So you get it done. But of course, if the game's tense, you just want people to score wherever they are. You don't want them to mess around. So teams wait to the second half to do this wow. X challenge. So I think it's kind of nice because it encourages thinking. So not just a breaking through to score wherever you are, but knowing as a team, well, we've got to score on the far right-hand side next. So if we break through the left-hand side, we have to get the ball to the right because it's part of the challenge. So you may even pull the ball back a bit, even though you could score there. And so it just creates a bit more skill set and a bit more on the line. So that's number one. Number two is that there's the international leaderboard. So you can play locally, but you compete globally with teams around the world. So your scores all get added up to the online portal. They've got a state-of-the-art app on your phone that basically tracks everything, even their player stats. So let's say, you know, somebody passed me the ball and I scored two or three tries. I will be on the leaderboard and I'll be like, oh, there's another player from, you know, New Zealand ahead of me. And oh, maybe I'm ahead of this player from Sri Lanka. So you can keep track of where your team is and where you are on these different leaderboards. So it's very interactive and, and wow. quite cool because you get to compare yourself with, you know, players you may ne never met around the world. Plus, there are prizes as well. This is where they've taken it to the next level. Because in the official game that you play, people are paying to play. Some of the proceeds go back to our organization for putting it on, right? Uh, Tag VX. They keep some money for prizes. So at the end of series, they will award prizes for players that have, you know, they've either been, you know, good sports, as in the coach from the other team nominates a player after each game from the other side says, this is our MVP. So they could be a very good player, but also somebody that that has good values for the game too. So there'll be great prizes for people as well. And players, of course, on the leaderboard if they're top scoring or their team does does well. This is brilliant. I really like the, I, I'm really into game theory and the gamification yes. of things. This yes. sounds brilliant. This is a, this is all next level stuff. I really like this. Um, so I, I planned to sort of ahead of time, look this up and then just read it out. But I realized how dumb that would be when I can just get it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Can you tell us like, so how do rugby clubs, organizations mm. and entrepreneurs for that matter, just get involved with this organization in the first place? Yeah. So we are going to officially launch globally in the latter half of 2024. But before okay. we get there, we have an introductory program called the connect series. So this Connect series where teams, clubs, and entrepreneurs, as you said, you don't have to be a rugby club itself. You could just be a business person that's involved in rugby that can get people together. So it's very easy. All they need to do is go to our Tag X International website, which is tagxinternational.com, or people can message Perry Baker on his social media or myself on social media. 
And what we're going to basically do is we're going to train know, up Harry's these teams. Busy. Yeah, there we go. He's busy, but he's taking these calls, which is great. So people can message us because we're going to get uh, clubs all over the world. We've got South America, North America teams already signed up. Uh, and and uh, uh, they're basically going to play this Connect series, which is showcasing the game for their club. So it's a free way people can play, get introduced to the game, or send in their flags and their balls if they want, cones, everything else to get set up. We'll train them online. Uh, and then basically they're going to host these these events and tournaments at at their clubs. After they have done and seen how great the game is, then when we launch officially, then of course they can use it as a as a income generator as well as a you know connecting with their alumni and get new players to play as well. So there are big plans for next year. Even though Perry's going to be playing, he's still going to be heavily involved. He's going to run his own leagues as well, which I think is super exciting in San Diego. Really? And we've yeah, we've got a few other players that are announcing their retirement coming up this year. They will do it in their several states as well. So the great thing is, we said this game can happen anywhere in the world. So anybody can contact us. It's not just a game happening in the US. Yes, Perry's our American ambassador, but of course he's a global icon as well. Wow, I am loving this. Uh, I, and I so here's a question. I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to. On a scale of one to ten, what's your excitement level for like rugby X? Because I think mine just hit eleven. Yes, I, I'm going to go fifteen. I'm going to go even top you there, just because <laughs> I played the game. Uh, it is so much fun. I'm actually going out to Australia at the end of, at the end of January to go and see how they do it in person there because they've been doing it. So this actually goes full circle to our conversation. The reason why the Australian women are winning every event on the Sevens World Series and are largely untouchable when it comes to the Sevens code is because of their ability and, and skill set as younger players who played similar versions to Flag Rugby X. It's their ability to manipulate space, and New Zealand do it really well also, where they do that in a non-contact form and it enhances everybody's skills before they get to the tackle game, right? And finally, when they do learn how to tackle properly, they already have the attacking ability and defensive ability too. So they learn this game at a young age and consistently play it. And it's an easy crossover vehicle for players then to go on a Sevens World Series and do so well. Because it'd be fair, Sevens with ball in hand is all about Changing, changing the angle of the, of the defense to create a bit of extra space for you to get through. And you'll notice mm. a lot of Australia's tries, a lot of them are untouched because they would in a game of flag rover, you would you get your flag pulled. So they're that good at creating the space. So that's kind of another reason why we're so excited for this game because if we can pick the game up here in North America, we're not only, sure, we get more people playing, but we get people playing at a higher level and their skill set is taken to the next level. I think it was you who who told me how much you enjoy touch just because it teaches you that it forces you to learn these other skills just about elusiveness and like, yes. well, if I can't even get touched, much less tackled, that requires me to do, like you already said, like this extra thinking, this extra layer of elusiveness. Uh, this sounds amazing. Yeah, David, I would say the ability to beat people one-on-one -on -one is, I think, is one of the greatest skill sets a rugby player can possess. And how do you get that? Well, it's by playing more non-contact rugby. It's not playing a... a the traditional six-touch rugby, which is not as creative because you just pass them off somebody. If you get touched, not a big deal. There's nothing at stake. So that's why I'm saying when we grew up in South Africa, we played one touch. We play on the beach too. You have to be creative because you only have one opportunity with the ball in hand. So you have to beat people one-on-one. -on -one. And if you don't, you're going to surrender possession. So that encourages you to up to upskill yourself by being able to take on people and, and throw them off with your sidestep and your, your footing or just you know burn them for speed and stuff like that. Dallin, my friend, as always, I, I greatly appreciate your time. You're a gentleman and a legend. Um, before I let you get out of here, you've already been so generous and already gone over the time I expected. Um, can I give you a, a few quick answer questions before I let you wander wander back off into the warm beaches of SoCal? 
Fire away, my friend. By the way, is it becoming increasingly obvious that I desperately wish I was in California right now? <laughs> I know. Well, listen, I will say when we were in New England last winter, we did take a lot of trips away from, from winter. We actually went to Florida for the first time. And so we just to get to a bit of sun. So I, I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> fear my laptop's going to run out of power, but we'll just risk it. So five quickies, um, then I'll begrudgingly let you go. I was going to call this my Scrum 5, but I don't want to get sued by the Scrum 5 podcast. I mean, Lord sure. knows they could use the money in Wales. Uh, quit, question the first. What team is going to win the upcoming MLR season, and why is the answer obviously the Free Jacks? So that's a great question, and Yes, I'm backing the two finalists that made it. I, I will say, uh, even though Seattle is going to have a good, strong push as well, I do see a San Diego, New England final. And why will they win it? Because they have such great resources. They have a brilliant coaching crew. They are so well connected as a team. It is so unified. So, yes, I can't, I can't go against my New England friends. Question the second. What South African player would you like to see come over here and play in Major League Rugby? Um, to give you a second to think, my immediate pick would be Vili LaRue, a guy mm -hmm. who's, you know, theoretically sort of in the back end of his career, but he's still tearing it up, leading his Bulls to a win over the Saracens this weekend. I don't know if you caught that, but uh, what's, what's your take on that one? So there's so many players to choose from. I'm going to go a little different. I, I like Vili LaRue. I think he's great. But I think somebody like a Cheslin Colby, who can set people like absolute park cars, who is so creative with minimal space, great character off the field, not that Villiru isn't. Um, I think he would be fantastic. Or even Kirkley Aronson, the other 7-15s superstar that comes through. Look, I could have said even Edzabeth because he's such a monster on the field. Um, <laughs> but again, I would be too scared to interview him. So it's got to be somebody that at least is similar, similar height. It it's so funny because before I thought of Willie LaRue, the, like the first person I thought of was Evan Etzebeth. And I was like, he might just injure all our American players though. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's next level. So I think, I think we'll keep him wherever he is, you know? Uh, question the third, I'm, I'm definitely zigging and zagging right here. I'm, I'm sidestepping you. Um, why hasn't Biltong caught on in America? It seems like a natural for people like us. Is there another, and on top of that, is there another South African food that people here should be eating? Yes. Okay. So we're lucky that in Los Angeles, there's a Springbok bar and grill. So they have Borobos, which is a lean beef sausage that, that is traditional to South Africa. Oh. So they have a full menu there. Now, Biltong hopefully will slowly start picking up as like a protein snack or um, that sort of thing. But there are brews built on. They're a California-based guy that has founded it here. There's Billy's Biltong as well. Uh, I think that he's in Atlanta. There is... Uh, um, uh, rugby, there's Canada Biltong, which is a, a, a brilliant guy that makes it that side of the border as well. So there is, there are pockets of Biltong available, but but you're right, it hasn't hit mainstream yet. Uh, but I think if we uh, we keep promoting it, there could be one of your sponsors next. <laughs> How did I know you would immediately know like five places I could get Biltong? Well, I, hey, as a South African, you know where you, you know where to find it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wonder, did, did Slim Jim ruin our taste buds in, to, in, in terms of that? Yes, that I think so. Is, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, question the fourth, and this actually might be a hard one. It's it's the most quiz-like of them. Um, so you attended Rondebosch Boys High School in Cape Town, a school that has produced a fair number of successful rugby players over the years, including yourself. Can you name three of them? 
So Joel Stransky, rugby World Cup winner from 1995. He went to Ronbosch still standard eights. And I got a chance to work with him, which is so great at the World Cup uh, in 2019. Jack. Hanyani Shamangi, who is on all the super sport commentary. Uh, he was in, in our front row when I was uh, the year before we finished. Standard nine. So he, he's fantastic as well. Also a former Springbok. And then one of my teammates, uh, who is our captain, Gobani Bobo, who's also on Super Sport and does a lot of shows as well, also Springbok. He played seven. We played sevens against each other. I was playing for USA and he was playing for South Africa. So those are three three good friends of mine that have, have played rugby at the highest level. Uh, you're right, Ronnebosch, beautiful school. I got a chance to go back there now uh, when I was in, in November. Um, it's oh, just that's right. To again, the again yeah. there were great photos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So great. So obviously, I meant that wouldn't want to be hard for, you know, humans, not you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, since that turned out to be an easy one, can you give me a player from your school who is currently contracted to the South African sevens program? Yeah. So that's Zane Davids, who is ah. an unbelievable forward, but hang on. I get a, so David, I get a photo with Zane wherever I go. So every sevens tournament, we make sure we get a photo. I saw him in South Africa on Stellenbosch at their training facility there. I made sure I got a picture with him. Um, so I'm very proud of Zane Davids and everything he's done for the game and continues to do. Um, yeah, you're right. It's, I, I do. Uh, it's cool to know that. Uh, well, Marcel Brachy, Ronnebosch, Ronnebosch guy as well, uh, who basically yep. he, we played at Tornadoes together, uh, UCT, University of Cape Town, and Ronnebosch. So he's played for three teams and then Eagles. I didn't play 15s Eagles, but sevens Eagles. So we've uh, represented the four different teams over the years uh, together. So your final question, my friend, question the fifth. It's a threefer. Well, when you were playing, and this could be 15s or sevens. Yeah. I need three players from you. I need a player that A, you wish you had sidestepped on your way to a beautiful try. B, a player you wish you had given a great pass to to watch them get a nice try. And then C, a player you'd wish you'd put a tackle on that that player went home and said, wow, that Dallas Stanford, he folded me like a deck chair on that one. Okay, hold on. Are these, are these teammates or are these all opponents? They're all opponents. Okay, all opponents. Okay, shucks. Okay, so the first one was who would I like to have sidestepped? Okay, so yep, sidestepped on your way to a nice try. I would have loved to have sidestepped Wasali Sarevi. I got a chance to tackle him once, but I never got a chance to sidestep him. That would have been great because if he's the master of sevens, the king of sevens, the ultimate goose stepper himself. Um, <laughs> okay, the next one, who would I pass you to score? Uh, well, let's think about. Um, I would probably have to go with in Samoa. They had a they was they had a very good team uh, during I think it was two thousand seven. I think they won the season. Uh, Michele Pesamino was one of their wingers. Unbelievable speed, tremendous. I I would have loved to pass him the ball because he's electric. He has a great salute afterwards as well. Dan Norton would be another player I'd love to have given the ball mm. to at some point, and they would have finished off from like hundred meters out. And then you said somebody. Oh, somebody would have tackled. Yeah, um, somebody who went home and went, man, that Dallas Stanford, when he hits you, you he lets you know. Even Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> I think you've joined the entire rest of the population of the globe in that desire. Well, listen, David, I will say I, I have tackled the – he was a current Springbok rugby coach at the time when I was living in South Africa many, many moons ago, Nick Mallett, and he's a big unit as well. Former Springbok himself. Um, and so maybe he, to this day, I don't know. I haven't seen him since. Maybe he says, Jeepers, that guy, he doesn't know who I am. But maybe he's like, well, that guy at UCT function, he tackled me pretty hard. <laughs> oh, come on. It was just a shoestring <laughs> tackle. You know, he just kind of barely tripped, right? 
Exactly. <laughs> Darren Sanford, the sultry sultan of the microphone, the international legend, and for me, just the kind gent I'm lucky enough to know and get to talk to every now and then. Thank you so much for, again, joining us here on Scrum of the Earth. Any, you know, last bits that we missed? Any plugs for your future works? Yeah, well, so firstly, I want to thank you so much for having me on again. It's such a pleasure to talk all things rugby and like it's such a diverse game. It's so nice to keep in touch with all the different formats. The only other thing I will say is there's this other very cool, funny uh, uh, um, venture that I'm involved in called Avant. It's a Cape Brandy that was established earlier this year, just ahead of the Rugby oh. World Cup. Um, and it is available in South Africa, but it is it is the, the rugby brand, right? And it's coming to the USA and the UK, um, hopefully, you know, in the next little while, maybe next year. But the names on their signatures, right? They've got all our signatures of the, the 15 people that founded it, if you will. And I am so lucky because on this box of brandy are Rugby World Cup winners, John Smith, uh, Makazoli Mapimpi, Lucanio Am, uh, legends from years gone by, Jean de Villiers, Butch James, George Gregan from Australia, Pianel, Justin Marshall from New Zealand, Joe Peterson, Raymond Rule, CJ Stander, Joseph Duebe, and Waseli Sarevi. So all those signatures, and I've got my name on as well, luckily, are on this wow. box. And it's, it's available in South Africa at the moment. And because um, in South Africa, a lot of the rugby community uh, drink brandy and Coke quite a traditional drink there and so this brandy is going to be exported pretty soon and so people can watch out for that they can go to avantbrandy.com and check that how out. are we spelling that is it just a-v-a-n-t that's right it's exactly how you're spelling it that's right we, which means to go forward and so it's a very very cool venture and something really fun and creative to be involved in because um, you know as we said who doesn't love to sink a couple of cold jars uh, with some friends <laughs> well, I'm picturing it like in the in the French sense with like the wine where it's like, well, oh, the, the Avant brandy goes with this <laughs> type of salty cured meat. Yes, exactly. Well, it goes with the Biltong, which we'll, we'll announce our, our new sponsor with that soon. <laughs> <laughs> they can sponsor our book as well. There we go. There we go. David, thanks for having me, my friend. You're always uh, so fun to talk to and uh, look, look forward to catching up when we see each other next in New England. Absolutely. Dallin, you're the best. I look forward to chatting you again. In the meantime, cheers, my friend. Talk to you soon and be well. Take, take care, you legend.